This is the heart of our Judeo-Christian understanding of who we are and what we are about. In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter and fourth verse, we have what is called the Shema, which is the Hebrew for hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The key to our message today is that portion of this which says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your heart. Now that's not just a, a phrase that appears uh, occasionally in the Scripture. It, it appears over and over again. And I, I use these multiple texts in order for it to sink into us that this is at the very heart of what we are about as Christians. In the 29th verse of the 4th chapter of Deuteronomy. It says, If you seek the Lord your God, you will find Him if you look for Him with all your heart. And again in the 10th chapter of Deuteronomy. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord ask of you but to fear God, your Lord God, and to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart. And in the 11th chapter, to love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart, the Scripture says. In the 26th chapter of Deuteronomy, you thought Deuteronomy was just a, just a bunch of rules and regulations? You missed the point. It's all about loving God with all of our heart. 11th chapter, love with all your heart, serve Him with all your heart. 26th chapter, the Lord your God commands you to follow His law, carefully observing them with all your heart. 20th chapter. Return to the Lord your God and obey Him with all your heart. I think we should be able to get the message today that we are to love God with all our heart. David in the 119th Psalm, which many of you recognize as the longest chapter in the Bible, says, Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Now, the Jewish people did not always love God with all of their heart. There were times that they went astray. There were consequences of their decisions to worship uh, pagan gods. The scripture says, These people come near to me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In Proverbs, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And God will guide your pathway. You recall that. And many of us love this uh, passage from Jeremiah 20 chapter. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and pray, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. If there is anyone among us that you're struggling with what it means to be a Christian, whether or not this is something, a commitment that you think that maybe you're about to make, and you might be seeking guidance, how, how do I go about it? What, what do I do in order to be a disciple of this Christ? And it's right clear here. The scripture says again and again, love him 
with all your heart. Now, we're studying these days about Jesus' trip from Galilee through Samaria, through Israel to Jerusalem, the way of Calvary, the way to the cross. Jesus is making his way there. He's talking to the disciples about what's going to happen there, about his own crucifixion that's going to take place there. And he is trying to help them to understand what is about to happen. On the way, Jesus was confronted by an expert in the law, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You heard the words a moment ago. And Jesus said, well, what does the scripture say? You're a student of the scripture. What does it say? And he quotes that, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. As Jesus draws near to Matthew, to uh, Jerusalem, as recorded by Matthew, Jesus is asked, how am I to know that I will be saved? And he turns to this Shema, this statement of faith of the uh, Jewish people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Paul, writing to the Colossians, makes this similar instant when he says to them, Work with all your heart as for God and not for men. Now, a few weeks ago, Tim preached on those would-be followers of, of Christ. One who says, I'll follow you anywhere you go. I want to be on your bandwagon. And Jesus made it clear to him. Birds of the air have nests, fox have holes. Son of man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. You are you sure you want to follow me? <clears throat> Another would be follower says, I will follow you, but uh, my dad's old and he may die any time. And I, I need to hang around. I need to stick around. And, 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 follow, and Jesus said, no. Time is short. You've got to let somebody else look after those affairs if you're really serious about following me. Another one says, I've got to go and go through that long ceremony of saying goodbye to family. And again, Jesus said, no, you, 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 can't, you can't do that. Time is upon us. It's time that you put aside these things and concentrated your life on being one who loves God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in the Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's interesting to hear, hear some non-believers talk about the Sermon on the Mount. You know, it was a nice little sweet devotional message, you know, very, very nice and so forth. But they haven't really read it. They haven't understood. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. It's an easy way to go. And then he follows that by saying, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Because there's a big price to be paid. Discipleship, Jesus is saying, it's costly. If you're going to be serious about it, you need to be willing to pay the price. And Jesus, on that journey to Jerusalem and Calvary, 
said to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. For what good would it be for one to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? The price is to be paid. Salvation indeed is free. It is grace. It is unearned grace. But discipleship is costly. Jesus knew that sentimentality would not be enough, that respectability would not be enough, half-hearted goodwill, being nice, is not enough. Going through the motions, not enough. In this journey, a wealthy young man came running up to Jesus. He ran and he fell down before him, fell on his knees and fell growing. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him an ethics test, a morality test. And he named some things, adultery, stealing, so on. He said, how do you, how do you match that? He said, I've done that ever since I was in the elementary department in Sunday school. Jesus said, but one thing you're missing, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give what you earn from that and give it to the poor. Then, come and follow me. And the scripture says, he went away saying, the eager run turned into a mournful drudge because he was not willing to pay the price, not willing to give the cost that Jesus demanded and Jesus expected. Salvation is free. Discipleship is costly. Salvation won't cost you anything. That's God's gift to you. But you're paying the whole cost Follow him. That's your gift to Jesus. Many of you are familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Had a tremendously powerful little book called he wrote The Cost of Discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Christian in Germany <coughs> in the time of the rise of the Third Reich, and Hitler came into power. And this young man, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, became a part of a confessional church that stood against that regime. There were many Christians, unfortunately, who compromised with that and tried to keep peace. They tried to look the other way when the Jews were being slain in the Holocaust. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer did not. He could have escaped. He came to the United States and was teaching here. When all the persecution in Germany became intense, he said, I've got to go back. He went back, and after a while, he was arrested, put in one of the concentration camps. And he continued his ministry to other people. 
They even had an influence on the guards that were guarding him, and they would smuggle out his writings to the other Christians who were not in prison. There came a time when he was executed by Himmler and the Gestapo. Only a few days before the concentration camp, Flussenberg, was liberated by the Allied forces. He was a man who knew what he was talking about when he talked about the cost of discipleship. I think back through the years of my ministry to people that have known what it means to pay the cost of discipleship. Take Jim Culpepper, Albany, Georgia. He had a heart for our Albany Outreach Center that we created there and we bought the house next door and turned it into a, a ministry center. One of the ways was to, back when a lot was not known about Alzheimer's, we had an Alzheimer's center and people could bring their loved ones and let them stay there and have a time of respite themselves, uh, going women to go get their hair done or keep an appointment as the case may be. That, that was just to give you a taste of what a powerful ministry that was in the community. That, that came on the heart of Jim Culpepper. And he decided one way he could raise money for the outreach center was to go get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, go to the dumpsters all around Albany, collect the tin cans, carry those to the recycling center, and take the money and give it to the church for the outreach center. He raised uh, to count uh, over $3,600. On one occasion, he must have been stepping on somebody else's turf because he got mugged in the process by another person who was going through the dumpsters, I guess. But he put on a back brace and continued three o'clock in the morning and off to the dumpsters. Here's a man that was willing to pay the price, who knew that it was costly to follow Christ, but he continued even through injury and discouragement from others. Paul warned him, Timothy, that there would come a time when there was cheap grace, a time when people would just want to kind of go through the motion, have all the benefits of grace, but never pay any of the price. And he said to him, finally in this particular section, he says, there be lovers of pleasure and so on, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. It's so tempting, so easy for us merely to go through the form of godliness without denying, without yielding to its power. Back in the time in our nation when there was great conflict over the issue of slavery, 
There arose a leader by the name of William Lloyd Garrison, some of you will recognize that name, who was a leader of the abolitionist movement in the United States to free the slaves. And there were some people who knew him, asked him to, to temper his language, that he was speaking too harshly, too, too strong, and he needed to moderate what he, was, what he was saying. This was his reply. On this subject, I do not wish to think or speak or write with moderation. No, no. Tell a man whose house is on fire to give a moderate alarm. Tell him to moderately rescue his wife from the rapist. Tell the mother to gradually extricate her baby from the fire. But urge me not to use moderation in a cause like the present. I am in earnest. I will not equivocate. I will not excuse. I will not retreat one single inch. And I will be heard. That's discipleship on steroids. <laughs> Another has, who has given his witness in a similar manner, David DeSalle, pastor of the Fellowship Church in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Here's how he proclaims his experience of being set free to pay the cost of that discipleship. I am part of a fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. But my past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I've done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide reliable, and the mission clear. I cannot be brought, compromised, detoured, turned back, lured away, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pole of popularity, meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I have stared up, sorted up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till I, all I know at work, till he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner has been clear. Discipleship. On steroids, for sure. Will you repeat after me again? Salvation is free. Salvation is free. But discipleship is costly. Discipleship is costly. Salvation will cost you nothing. It's your gift to God. That means God's gift to you. Salvation will cost you everything. Discipleship will cost you everything. 
as our gift to God. <clears throat> Let us pray. Father, pour out your grace upon us that we may be so overpowered by your gracious love. Love that was willing to pour out the blood so that we are saved by nothing but the blood of Jesus who gave his life, who gave his love in order that we might be set free, that we might receive by God's grace uh, Ability to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And we pray, O oh Lord, that as this congregation tonight, today, will be a day that we can be described as a disciple on steroids who are committed to loving you with all our heart. Not half of it, not occasionally. Not sometimes when it's convenient, but all the time, your servant. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.